Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Well, so the the transformation from tool guy and technician and mobile guy into shop owner, and we talked about it. Fuck my life. I know. Right? Sorry, edit that out. We talked about <laughs> it though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it, boys, it was woo. Yeah. Tell me, why was it woo? A lot of damn work. It is. Yeah. Right. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Nah. And so we'd like just have this idea like, oh, yeah, I'm already doing it, man. I'm already doing it. And me and you had that talk, right? Because we talked about, I remember we were talking about the building and you're like, no, 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 I'm going to go get this giant building. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm like, bro, hold up just a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this for a minute because that's going to be expensive. And by the time you outfit it and you do all those things. Now you, you went into the small shop, right? Yeah. And you found success in the small shop. And then... You moved into a bigger shop. Really nice facility, by the way. Kudos to you. Thank you. But you turned into David and I, and I've like we've had some telephone conversations where I'm like, I'm hearing you at the top of your stress meter. Oh yeah. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> Ready this, to be like, no, nah, I'm done. This this summer was a freaking roller coaster. Usually summers yeah. are hitting it and it was and that was our whole town, like because I'm friends with a lot of shop owners. Yeah. And you still get the one shop owners. Oh, we've been so busy. I don't understand how you're not busy. Well, you know, just yeah. trying to make yourself look better. But then you got the other shop owners, and it's like, nah, we've we've been hitting those same roller coasters and twiddling yeah. our thumbs. <clears throat> like, you know, Ryan Martin. I mean, he yeah. uh, he was he's like, yeah, we we've been averaging almost a hundred a month, and he's like, but not anymore. Like we've yeah. we slowed way down, but everybody in our town's down the uptick again so it was just yeah a, it was, it, it, exactly and we we did the same thing it was up and down up and down up and down and and we got in a good groove here the last couple of months and we're moving really good and, and things are awesome but but that is like for the tech in a lot of ways that's a financial roller coaster yeah. right especially if they're bonus or paid flat rate so that's a financial roller coaster and that's hard on them but as an owner yeah boys like you, you're you, because me and you talked at the Fourth of July party, and I'm like, dude, yeah, I'm really questioning all of this. Yeah, I mean, because my guys are hourly, and and yeah. so and and I did that because I I, I like to know because I was a flat rate guy, and I, I trust me, I love flat rate because yeah. I was just really good at flat rate, but right. uh, I I hated the weeks where there was nothing to do and yeah. you had crap paychecks. So I just I like knowing that he's just he's good. Yeah, well. <laughs> As good as it can be right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Relatively so. speaking. <laughs> Why don't, I mean, you brought it up. Let's just go ahead and talk about it. What we had, happened? We had a pretty bad accident at the shop. 
That's scary as I'll get out, dude. Trust me, it was. I, I, it was. I have nightmares about something happening to one of my people. Yeah. And I run around in my head sometimes, and I'm thinking, what would I do if, what would happen if, and, and you know, I've, I've got a good friend of mine who owns an energy company. And I've, I've told this story before, but, you know, he basically came in at some point, and he's like, hey, you know, got to go. I, I know I came to pick up my vehicle, but I got to go. And he's like on the phone, and he marches out. And, and they had somebody that was very, very severely injured, and he had to go talk to the family, and he had to deal with all this stuff. Yep. And I was talking to him about it later, and he's like, this will eventually happen to you. He's like, you, you own a business. This will eventually happen. And he said, I hope it doesn't. But he said, if, if you grow your business, this is going to happen. Yeah, Are I you mean, prepared? <clears throat> trust me, that that because I, I called his wife. Like As, as we got 911 ready, they were talking. I passed the phone off to, it was either my wife or my daughter because they were both standing right there. And let them take over nine one one call, and I called his wife, and I was like, "Hey, like, there's something bad that really happened. I don't know the extent of it. EMS is on the way. Just try and get here if you can. If not, I'll tell you which hospital they they took them to." It was yeah, it was it was a very scary moment, and luckily, just some stuff kind of all played out to where it didn't get as bad as what it could have been. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> you haven't been in my new shop. You walk in the front door, then it's a long hallway back. There's a kitchen, and then behind the kitchen's the shop. My oldest daughter just happened to be in the kitchen whenever she heard the crash, walked out the shop to see what it was. If she wouldn't have been sitting there, it probably have been five or ten minutes before I walked out the Even shop. Even realized something was going on, yep. right? But he, he was still breathing, though, under the car, right? <clears throat> To my knowledge, yeah, yeah, because he he was able to talk under yeah. the car, okay. but but you could hear the like the duress in his. He was like, "Please get this car off of me!" Like, well, yeah. he was probably under a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then so, it, what he cracked a rib, right? Broke, so he broke two ribs. Yeah, um, so he's probably. And then it's it weird, and the doctors were trying to explain how it worked because I was at the hospital this morning, but um, the car hit and pushed sideways on him. It didn't break the ribs where the car hit. It actually broke the ribs on the other side from where the force went over, over and broke the other ribs. And then he's he's got poppy noises on the left side from where they said most likely cartilage was broken between them. So his rib bones are actually popping back and forth because they're not being held in place. Um, And so, you know, I mean, the the first question is always, well, like, how does something like this happen? And, 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 I, I think as shop owner shop owners, it's easy to look at this and say, "What what did he do wrong, or what how how did this happen?" Yeah, and the the first response is, "No, are you okay?" and and make sure they're taken care of, make sure they're going to be okay, and and whatever we've got to do, we do have to do a little bit of a, a analysis. Yeah, to determine like. How did this happen? And it doesn't even matter if they made a mistake or they did something. Something we we talk about complacency all the time. Complacency will get you killed. Yeah, I I, I remember we were up on. Remember behind my shop when we went and all shot pistols that I, day. I, I didn't like that day. I right. I did not like that day. And so there were there were yeah. um, staff girlfriends that yep. came. And they were flagging everybody. Everybody. With a pistol. Yeah, that's that's and why you seen me just kind of stand back. I was like, I don't, I don't need any of this. I, I hate to tell you, nine millimeter. I don't think we could have <laughs> yeah. stood back far enough to avoid it. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That complacency. Yeah. Is how you hear about somebody getting hurt. Yep. And and it like a, a pistol is one thing because you you know complacency with that will get you killed. Yep. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. Firearm safety number one, right? But but when you get into a shop. We're not out handling a pistol seven days a week, eight hours a day, right? Yeah. In a shop, 
That's something we do every single Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. I mean, he's done, I couldn't even tell you how many alignments on this system. And so, I mean, kind of my outward analysis afterwards, because then I started kind of looking around after the the dust settled and everything. Well, I guess I'll tell everybody because nobody, we haven't really explained what happened. My technician was doing alignments. We don't have an alignment rack. We have stands. So you pick the car up on two posts, set it down the stands, do the alignment. The front alignment stands popped out while he was under the vehicle. Front of the car fell down, crushed him underneath it. So that's what happened. Um, Whenever I, after EMS was done and they were gone and we just kind of let the dust settle for a minute, I went over the car. The car was in neutral instead of being in park, which... That would have helped out a lot if it was in park, if the brakes failed, whatever. Um, it was a neutral. And then the stands were out to the sides. And so I don't know if whenever – because he, he said he's seen a tire roll a little bit. So I don't know if whenever it rolled, the, it wasn't perfectly centered under the tires and one stand just slid out, which caused the other one to kick out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got cameras, but I haven't reviewed the footage yet. I'm just going to – I'll do that this coming week. Yeah, I mean, don't let it get recorded over. Uh, it's it's a I don't I don't think it will. I think it records up to like thirty days and then records over. So if you double check that, because thirty days is a ton. Yeah, thirty day, dude. I've, I've like, got I've got almost thirty terabytes in one system, and I get four days. Really? Yeah, well, you've got eighty five cameras. Uh, that's true. But actually, no, I need to check that because I've got I've probably got more cameras than him. Yeah. Okay. Then. So I, I yeah. got a couple days then. Yeah. <laughs> I, four, I'll it out. four days is is about the limit of what I get, and and man, I do you have a cloud access? No, so it's it's all like internal. It's got its own computer ran mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, backstory: of My building is it used to be a security company, so it's got cameras, oh, yeah. and every single office has two cameras. The shop's got like four cameras, cameras all over the building, but it was mainly due to the security stuff. So, uh, man, I just. It, it's so freaky, and I, I think that's all of our worst nightmares. What was your first thought when you realized something had happened? 
just making sure he was okay. Like, like literally, that's that's all I cared about because <clears throat> you, you've got kids, both of you do. You know, you can hear in your kid's voice, hey, there's something going on or normal. Her voice changed. Like, I could hear her yelling from 20 feet away through walls for me to come out. So as soon as I got out there, I went to one side of the car. All I seen was his feet sticking out and him mumbling. I looked down. Lifts were legs were at least still under the car, but they were lowered down all the way. So they were still under it. And so I just ran to the other side, hit the button up, and I just told my daughter, you know, hey, just kind of keep a little bit of weight back here because it was going to teeter a little bit. As soon as we got it up just enough to get him out, luckily he was on a um, creeper. Creeper. Yeah. So I reached underneath there and just pulled him out on, on the creeper. And then once I got him out away from the car, made sure he's breathing, made sure he's not going to die right then, I went and lowered the car down because I don't need somebody else messing around a car, EMS, trying to get him out, and the car falls on them. So. For sure. And, and you know, that that we talk a lot about unintended consequences and and so you're you're in that shop setting and you're trying to help him and like the next move right we got to be careful about what decision we make and what we yep. do because you know like like you said the car's teetering well and and, and you say that and I, I think it probably would have been best when we were doing stand alignments the the rack didn't get lowered all the way down well the, so the the way our like we don't have super tall stands like mm-hmm. ours is only I don't know 18 inches 24 max mm-hmm. but the the laser is on the lower part of the tire. It's not middle. It's on the back. So we have to drop the lift all the way out of the way oh, so that okay. way the laser goes forward. Gotcha. So, yeah, because we, we've been trying every different way because I... You couldn't put bigger adapters on the lift arms and pick it up. In other words, you get more clearance? Maybe, but this is a car, so you can only go but so much. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you think about that, and I... I you you've watched some of the same stuff I have and and you go and you start moving that vehicle. What if it's something way worse? It's like a stab victim. You don't ever pull the knife out. You don't ever, right. You leave that because you don't know what it hit, what it did. So with, with crush victims, if they've been crushed and they've been crushed for a while, you're not supposed to remove them from that scenario until somebody's there because, you know, the body will go septic. And if they're crushed in a certain area, it'll, Yep. But um, I mean, he was sub a minute, so we. That, I felt like he was it, technically pinned because he was still talking. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's well, not like you can breathe or yeah. right. Well, I mean, more more than that would be my fear of you hit the button on the lift and something shifts and something moves and yeah. something happens yeah. and yeah, and you know when that. that's happening, your your adrenaline is like pumping. Yeah. And so you're trying to think about the best way to go and the best yep. thing to handle that, and and like. I, I still remember when the one fell on me, right? And and I, I think the after effects of this for him are going to be like, like he may be able to get underneath a two post lift. I think he's going to have a hard time doing that job again in the future. Oh I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. When that truck fell on me, like it was it was slow motion, right? I yep. remember. I'm underneath it, and I'm walking out from underneath it, and I remember that arm. Like, I can literally see in my head that arm moving on the back of that frame rail. And it was a 12,000-pound truck. And so I remember getting out, and I remember what I did, and I remember where I went. And so when that truck turned and, like, so the rear left arm kicked out. And when it kicked out, the truck came up in the air like that. When it came up in the air, the front arm kicked out, and the truck literally went... And it just, dude, it was like slow motion. It was like it wasn't even happening. 
and the truck is literally over top of me like this, the lift arm, when it kicks out, blows me. It hits me in the chest, right? It hits me in the chest, and I fly backwards, hit the wall. And when I hit the wall, you've been in the old shop. My yeah. feet, like, my my butt slams to the concrete, and I, like, slide down like this. And I literally, in my mind, watched that truck land on top of my legs, right? And so that truck's turned completely sideways. My legs are out underneath the lift. And when it fell, lift arms up here over top of my head. And when it fell, I've got the toolbox on the right side of my legs, and the wheel of the truck on the or no opposite toolbox on the left side of my legs and the wheels land right here on the other side like i could not move my legs apart because i was in between it like that you know what i'm saying and dude it took me and and, and they'll pick something up and especially if it's a chevrolet and i'm in that shop if they've got it too close to that that lip on that frame uh-uh set it back down not doing this move it right i'm not i'm not playing this game yeah because dude until you've seen it happen you don't realize yeah. how quick it'll take you out. And like with him, I mean, it was <clears throat> it was a pretty scary situation, like just in general, because, you know, car falls. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. But whenever I pulled him out, like, and I, I showed you the picture, but that was after we cleaned him up some. His whole face, I mean, just gobs of blood all over his face. Luckily, it was a, a laceration under his eye and just a nick in his forehead. But, I mean... I seen that, and I'm thinking the worst case, like, yeah. dang, he just crushed his whole face. And luck, I say luckily it wasn't his face, but you know what I mean? Like, it it sucks either way, but it wasn't as bad as, you know, the initial re gut reaction whenever you sit, whenever I pulled him out. So. Yeah. And, I mean, some other situations, like, my wife just happened to – usually she would have already been gone. So she – my wife comes in, and she'll work for Jarhead for – at like she gets in at like eight and then she leaves at one and goes to pick kids up. We were getting ready for ASTE, so she just happened to stay late. And so she was going to be there all day long. So she was at like, because I think it happened right around two or two thirty, something like that, in that yeah. ballpark. And uh, so she just happened to be there. My wife's a uh, paramedic. So yeah. she's like, she's got a degree in for a paramedic. So she just happened to be there. We had a first aid kit to at least start just yeah. to minute train a little bit to his face to kind of clean it up. It was a scary situation. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody whenever you look in their eyes and, and there's nothing behind the eyes. Mm -hmm. That makes that's that was him. Like he was just he was out of it. Yeah. Uh, and so Yeah, dude. And you know, the creeper, they luckily we kept him on the creeper. They the paramedics were glad he was on the creeper because that's like a almost he, like a backboard. Yeah, he's already on a backboard. So whenever we loaded him onto the stretcher, we kept the creeper underneath him, picked him up and set him on there with the back with the creeper still on there. And yeah. So, and, and whenever they picked him up, since it was a crushed victim and all that other stuff, they didn't even go to the local hospital. They took him to the large hospital in Winston, and it was, yeah. it was a pretty big ordeal. So, Dude. And, and you know, the number of shops, I've talked about this um, with a, a local shop to me, because everything they're doing is to avoid cost. And so they're trying to avoid workman's comp. They're, they're, I'm going to 1099 these employees. Yeah. And, and, you know, here's the thing about the 1099. And and so many, dude, it, I've been so surprised how many workers want or how many techs want to be 1099 or they want to be cash. And and what's interesting about that is is because I've had techs ask that. And usually it's because they're, they've got a judgment against them yeah. or they've got child support or something child like support, that. And they're yeah, trying to play games with it. Yeah. 
man, it's not worth it. No. Because if you're if you're cash or you're 1099, boys, you don't have workman's comp. Yeah. And, you're responsible for it yourself. And you know North Carolina law, I mean, technically you only have to have four employees before you're required to have it. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, I, I didn't have it because for a while it was just me. And I don't I'm not covered under workman's comp, just like yeah. owners aren't. But he was with me for a few months, and I was like, yeah, we're going to get workman's comp. I'm, I'm glad I did. I, after EMS picked him up, you know, I called my insurance agent, and I was like, hey, we just had a major accident at the shop. Um, it's probably going to be pretty expensive. How's workman's comp work? And he was like, you're 100% covered. He's like, every single bill, you're not going to have to pay. There's no deductibles. Yeah. Workman's comp covers everything. So workman's comp's very freaking expensive, but – it's not. I mean, this this whole ordeal is probably fifty grand or more because yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. wages, the ambulance ride, like yeah. all of that. I mean, it's it's an expensive yeah. oopsie. And if you don't have the insurance, I mean, you're Dude, pay, you're just, paying that or you're out of business or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you go out of business, one way or another, you're still paying it. Yeah. Right. You're not getting out of that. You will so, pay that bill. Yep. They will come get you, and you definitely won't open another business in your name ever again. I yep. can promise you that. Dude, that that's and you know then you kind of look at other stuff too. Aflac, to a month and a half ago, just happened to come stop by the shop. They're like, "Hey, you guys want you know this the coverages?" And so we elected. He's got short term disability through Aflac, and he's got like an accidental thing through Aflac. So he's getting paid out. He's going to be getting paid out through mm-hmm. all that. So it's good to have insurance. It's yeah. Because this would have this would have very very much sucked. Like my livelihood probably would have been gone. Like I don't even care about my livelihood because you know if he died then I'd I'd be feeling yeah. horrible and I feel bad that he's hurt now. But then you also kind of look at the personal side of it. You, you've got you know because it wouldn't have just affect his family to be affecting mine and everything else if you're not properly covered. Yeah, for sure. And and dude, I'm telling you, when we look at insurance coverages like that. You mentioned something a minute ago. Well, I didn't have workman's comp because I'm just the owner and I wouldn't have been covered. Dude, I elected to cover myself. Really? And I have disability on myself. And and we don't have Aflac in the shop. It's something I thought about doing. But, I mean, think about that. And, and everybody's like, well, I'm just a single owner. It's not that big of a deal. What happens if something happens to you? Yeah. Right? And then you've got those medical bills and you're trying to take care of yourself and you're trying to do all these things. And like, well, it costs money. But, dude, you could divide. You could divide what workman's comp is going to cost you per employee for the next however many years. Oh yeah, like and still not spend what you would have spent. Just this yeah, yep, 100%. And and now for me I've I've got, you know, I've got free health care through the VA. So that's that's kind of why I never really necessarily elected for my stuff is just cuz if I get hurt, it's yeah. Well, you guys are all paying for it. Thank you everybody. But uh You're welcome. Thank you, man. But uh, you know, so that's that's why I didn't elect for me. But you know, I do have short but term even for then, myself. I mean, don't, isn't there some type of like protocol that if you're working for somebody else and you get mm-hmm. hurt and, and no, so but I mean, you lose your income. There's nothing unless you have some type of disability or something. Yeah. Thank you, Lucas. I, mean, I just want to point out that like. <laughs> Right, like when we were talking about that yeah. other shop, right? We were talking about that we're probably seven or eight thousand dollars a month in total expenses. Yeah. Oh yeah, trust me. Yeah, I know. And you can't work. Yeah. Hey everyone, it's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. 
You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. doesn't cost you a dime. So, I, I mean, I have short-term disability for myself. I just, I don't, I didn't elect to put myself under um, workman's comp, though. Yeah, but I mean, so, that that makes sense, right? As long yeah. as you've got some form of disability. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's it's all numbers games. You just got to figure out what that stuff works best for you. But not having any insurance, you're, mm, yeah. Man, I, that makes me nervous. Yeah. And, and so, the car... Uh, you know, the car is minimal compared to the rest of this. It, did you talk to the client? What did that conversation yeah, go what like? What the car look like? The the car actually doesn't look bad at all. And doesn't look bad and no damage or to, to from I haven't picked it up. Like oh. the the shop is exactly the way that it was because that just with everything that was going on and then trying to get ready for ASTE, it was as soon as EMS left, I just I pulled the car off of the the rear stands and and kind of readjusted everything, set it down shut the alignment machine off, and I was like, this is a Monday thing. I'm not, I'm not messing with it right now. <laughs> yeah. um, I, at the moment, I mean, it's it's kind of white lie. Um, I wasn't in the mindset to have a conversation with a customer, so I just called the customer and said that we had a parts issue and that his car is going to be running late till next week. He's like, that's fine. You know, just, just let yeah. me know next week. So. But it didn't, like, scratch it or do any body damage? Not that I can tell. So um, Tires were on it. it yeah. should have been fine. Yeah, tires were on it. Um, the only thing that I might have an issue is in the rear because whenever it came off the front stands, the rears rolled forward. I'm trying to like repicture it in my mind, but I think the rear stands might have been set on the bumper of the car. So I, I'm, I'm going to check all that, but yeah. that's, I, that's a Monday thing. That's not a, a, a yesterday yeah. thing. So I, I still think, though, if I were in your shoes, from my experiences, I probably would have called the client and said, hey, listen, we've had an accident. And somebody was hurt. Your car looks okay. That, that would have freaked the customer yeah. out. Depending I, on the customer, I don't know that I would have told them it was a parts issue, but I would have said, "Hey, we ran into a problem with the alignment." That, that would have, as yeah. long as they know, because here's the thing: you don't want you don't want them, you don't want the employee or a family member or somebody posting it on Facebook. And some by who's gonna know it was their car? Like some whatever the car with legs sticking out from underneath it. I'm saying by some weird down, like, by some weird connection, they find out that it was their car that fell on that person, and and they feel like we were not truthful with them. That's that's yeah. the only fear I would have. Yeah, I, that was going through my mind, but my mindset yesterday was I I just I don't even want to have no, a conversation right know. now. If if there was no damage to the car. I I would have gotten I would have taken care of of dude got got him to the hospital I would have looked over that entire car because that would have been eating me up now it's gonna eat you up and I'm sorry but no it, it already is that, um, but I've already said to myself that's a that's gonna be a Monday thing yeah so. yeah 
I, I would have looked over the entire car. If there was damage to the car, any damage, I would have called the customer and said, it was an accident. Car fell on, your car fell on there. There's damage to this and this and this. We'll take care of everything. I just yeah. want to let you know. Guy's okay. If there was no damage to the car, no, hey, uh, you'll have your car back on Monday. Yeah. That's so. it. Yep, that's that's kind of. I'm not I'm not describing the sausage and how the hell it was made. Hey, I I slit the the pig's throat, and bled out all over the floor, and chopped his head off, skinned it, took the hooves off. Ooh, uh, I d- how's my pepperoni pizza? Well, I'm describing how I made the pepperoni first. Anyway, took all the bits that didn't come off as good cuts, threw them in a meat grinder, had some spices, and then I dry it out. I, I, I think that in severe situations where if there was going to be bits of the dude left on the vehicle, then I would have talked to the customer. If a year was no way to know that there was anything wrong with that car, that he had almost crushed somebody. Uh, I mean, and I think I would have. If it was a long-term customer and I knew the customer well, maybe I would have been yeah. more detailed. Yeah, that would have, that would have definitely. No, been this, this if I knew this was first time. Yeah, first time customer, like yeah, you got a good point there. And and then, or if it's a customer that I know is like super persnickety about their car, like hey, that scratch wasn't there till it crushed that guy. What are you talking about? No, this was this no. was this was the car where I remember I showed you the RO and I was like. This is the one where they just bought the car two weeks ago, and, oh, and this yeah. is the RO. Used yeah. car dealers are yeah. dirtbags. Used car dealers are dirtbags. I've got a 2011 Explorer sitting I'm up at my shop. The AC compressor didn't just go out. It exploded. The car does not run. you got to take the belt off. To get it to run. Yeah. yeah, to get it to run. That's how bad this compressor was. And so we call the guy. I'm like, hey, we got to do rear AC front ac compressor this thing was catastrophic failure and they they still had the 30-day tag on it <laughs> and the and the used car dealer is like sorry my bad anyway you're on your own that's how As used is. cars dealers roll yep. that is how they roll and i get calls all the time and they're like hey how's so-and-so down the street and i'm like listen they're all horrible the cars are all junk and I don't blame the dealer. It's just the nature of their game. I don't know how they sleep at night. Yeah. I I would I would spend way too much money fixing that car to then sell it at a loss just to get my money back out of it. I'd go out of business quickly. I you know I see all the time shop owners, especially guys who are techs who are starting their first shop and they get in bed with used car dealers. Now I I when I really start working on taking the shop from a dungeon to something decent. I did work with a used car dealer for a little bit, and they were pretty good. They were pretty honest, and they were pretty straightforward. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're working for used car dealers, the way they make that work for them is is so you're when you're fixing their car, you are taking a percentage of their profit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so they have mm-hmm. no interest – in reducing that profit any more than they absolutely have to. They, they want, want to do keep as much minimum. margin as they yeah. can, right? And so they typically don't want to fix it right. But what a lot of them will do is if anything ever goes wrong with that car, yeah, you will get slapped, thrown under the bus <laughs> the very minute something happens, yeah. and they'll tell them to come talk to you. Yeah. 
And so you, you've got to be so careful with that. And, and like it can be a good way to build a clientele, but you have to have like written agreements. You have to have really solid work orders that document what you I'm, did. And how I've you never did seen it, it work. I, it worked really well for me. He he for helped me one build time a massive with that one guy. Right. He he helped me build a massive client base. He helped me get a ro- a lot of really great clients. He still refers people to me. He he fixed cars right, but he wasn't buying junk cars to begin with. He yeah. was buying decent oh, cars, yeah. and he was spending the money to get them fixed, and then he was charging a premium for the car. Right, he was not cheap. You could go to the car dealership and buy cars for what he was selling them for, mm. but it was a very niche dealership that was focused on one type of model, and he was really about diesel trucks, and that's what he did. And that makes sense. And that, that could work, right? But otherwise, these yeah. these little small dealerships that you see on site, you do not work for them. Yeah, what I had last year, I had one. Um, I'm in really good with the transmission shop, and yeah. if I got transmission issues that people want it rebuilt versus having a reman or a new unit. I send all that to him like that. But any repairs he sends to us and he sent this one guy over, ended up working on his car and ended up being a used car dealer. I, I did like three cars for him and he got mad because I wouldn't give him all these deep discounts. I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, I still yeah. have to make my money. I don't know why they do that. Do they? And, they they must live in a this bubble where they're like, no, they surely well, well, cause shop he, owners he, can't. They know what they pay for the parts, yeah. and and the whole goal is is like they they know that they are the they they're the quintessential used car dealer, right? And if you watch movies about them, watch videos about them, like they're known to be extremely aggressive. They will push as hard as they can. They don't care if you're happy or not. They want their money. Right, their their primary focus is making money out of this deal, yep. and so they to them, whatever, man. Like yeah. if you're not making money, I don't care. It's not my problem. Yeah, this guy was like, "Oh, you just cut me a discount. I'll have you all these cars." I was like, yep. no. yeah, "You'll be so Happens busy every, no. every <laughs> single time, nope. every single time." And then some other used car dealer, they got my name. I don't even know how they got like my information for our shop, but they've started referring all their clients because they've got an extended warranty. Mm-hmm. He'll take care of your extended warranty. David's seen some of my stuff with this extended warranty. They they don't offer it to the customers. It's automatically on their car. They get this warranty. $70 an hour, max labor. And the parts, they literally Google that part number that you gave, and whatever the cheapest one that they can find online is what they'll give you for your parts. Yeah. So, like, we did – I had to do a water pump and timing chains and stuff on a uh, – uh, Ford three five. Mm-hmm. They found the timing chain kit online. It was like hundred bucks for the whole kit or something like that. I quoted all OE stuff. They're like, oh no, we're only gonna give you hundred bucks. I was like, there ain't no way. There yeah. ain't no I, way. I'm not. I'm not doing it for that. Yeah. So like for that one, the customers get pretty pissed off. After, but I explain it's like you know the the warranty that they sold you is not the best. So I don't even do that. I just say look. You need to understand that these warranties yeah. work very much like health insurance, and they have copays. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is one with a massive copay. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I explain. I, I explain to you, it's not the best one out there, and so my cost, I'll just say to do a job A is a thousand dollars, and your warranty is only going to pay out three hundred bucks towards this thousand dollar repair. You're you're on the hook for the other seven if you want to take care of it. Yeah. So I just I I don't work for them anymore. I, none. Really? At all. And and Jade called the other day. She's got an extended warranty. Before she started working for us, she uh, bought a Jeep and it had an extended warranty on it. And she said, I'm going to, you know, I know we don't do warranties, but I'm going to call and deal with this for myself, right? 
And so she calls and she goes over everything with them. And well, we need the parts invoice and we need your labor guide. We need a, a screenshot of your labor guide and we need this and we need that. And we need, you know, what, you know, where's your W9 and where's this and where's that? Just trying every way they can yep. to squeeze you in and get you to, to not charge them anything at all. Yep. Right. And, um, man, it, it is crazy to see some of the things they will say and some of the things they will do. And they, they are professionals at manipulating service advisors oh, into yeah. saying or doing something. Yeah. And they try and make the process like you fill out the form online. And so then they call you and, and they're trying to move you through the process really aggressively and really quickly. And so the, you don't understand what it is they're doing. They're asking for this. Well, I need this information. Well, I need that information. Well, I need this. All of a sudden, you look up, and they have gotten information, and and it'll be like the best example of it is I talked to a shop owner a while back. He's on the phone with a warranty company, and they're like, okay, what's your cost on that? Okay, what's your cost on that? Okay, what's your cost on that? They get done, and the shop owner says, well, well, you never asked me what I was charging you. And they said, no, we asked what your cost was. He said, no, but I understand. I'm going to mark my parts up. They said, well, you already gave us the price. I'm sorry. We can't go back. Right? And like really shady really like yeah, that most a lot of them that i deal with they'll be like what's the cost on it and i tell them the cost on it is however much i've got it marked up to yeah exactly and Here's your price buddy yep you know yeah i've never had anybody ask me the cost yeah they're, they're getting to the point now and i've seen this in in a lot of the groups they're getting to the point now that they are asking for yeah. the parts invoice and and they now, we used to have to send the parts invoice that if you're a max care shop they stopped doing that nonsense but I used to redact it. I would go in and redact all of the prices yep. and then and my account numbers. And I would then send them the invoice and I say, here's your proof of purchase. I did buy every single part that I'm listing on this invoice. Well, we don't have the prices on there. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I think I've I had to do that once and but I did the same thing. Yeah. I was like, you don't need to know how much I'm paying for None of your you, business. You, yeah. So, it's proprietary information. Yep. Just like him and Mike Allen told me, I didn't even think about looking at World Pack for factory parts because you can get a deep discount. So most of the time now with extended warranty, I, I price yeah. out OE. It's not OE. It depends on because if you order through RepairLink, they have like Mars pricing or something like that. You get a pretty good chunk off. It depends on the part though. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah. If so, you're doing OES. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, that's different. But but this, see, then you also kind of run into the issues where I, I told you the GM engine, you know, it's a warranty thing, and GM changed their stuff here recently. Yeah, like, this was wild. I, I like, didn't know this. Less than, like, right at 5% markup, not margin, markup between MSRP and what they sell the engines mm -hmm. at now. And so, like, this one that I just did, MSRP was like, $3,800, and I think I paid 3300 for the engine, 3400 for the engine. There's like no money in the engine at all. Holy shit. Yeah. And there was no... And, and there was no remand option besides nothing. OE. Yeah. Even FVP, like C&K yep. Auto, because yep. they usually have no. everything. No, this was a, a 17 Ecotech, uh, or... 2.5? I, I think. Uh, I don't remember. I, I've still got the RO. Uh, like, we just closed it out this past week. I, just, I just bought a... This this one wasn't available anywhere, but really? the dealer, yeah, there's something weird on it. Maybe I don't know. I, you know, here's the thing: is and and if a consumer goes to the dealership and gets that engine at that price, and uh -huh. they do it, and you know, we talked about this uh -huh. last week with Seth and with um, 
uh, that one person who commented like dealerships doing repairs super cheap, mm. right? Yeah. You know, I just don't see how we can. It doesn't matter about trying to compete, right? It, yeah, I'm not offering the same product. I'm not offering the same kind of service that yeah. they offer. I I can't do that. Yeah. Seth, the deal though was that hey, they're doing it to take care of the customer because it's a customer service thing. Like that engine shouldn't have failed. They understand. Yeah. Now yeah. they're going to cover it, so they're doing it at a deep discount. So yeah, it's not even a competition thing. Like it's warranty deal. It's a, it's a Kia and Hyundai engines. Like, yeah. Yeah. You get a locked up Kia or Hyundai engine. What are you putting a Kia Hyundai engine in it? No. Yep. You're you're sending them down to the dealer and say, yeah. "Hey, yep. the dealer will put one in there for you if you argue enough." Yep. yep, for sure. And and boys, do they push back? Yeah. They have been pushing back a lot more. I had this this guy and I, I I don't know. It's like he didn't even it didn't even register. He calls me. He's he's uh he's in my BNI group, and he's like, "Hey, I got this seventeen or uh, maybe newer Kia four cylinder. Can you get me a remand engine? Put it in." I was like, "Dude, it's a no. Like there are no remand engines available. You can't get used. They're gone because Kia snatches all of them, all, all of them up to yeah. to put them in or to, re- to rebuild them to rebuild them and put them in." These customers lines of them at the dealership. You have to go back to the dealer. Well, I thought I'd give you a shot. No, no, there's no shot to be given. Like right. this anybody is anybody that would do that, you better watch your butt. I I don't know who in their right mind would even try. Oh, we've seen some shops do some stuff that you just could not even well fathom. If it were like but, but they if are it getting, was way past ten years old. Yeah. yeah so it was like a they, nine they, or something like that they maybe. are getting a whole lot stricter now because yes. like whenever i bought my daughter's car it had a, a rod knock in it and they had a lifetime warranty on her car and so i had an engine put in for free but they got rid of the lifetime warranty i have a 17 i think 16 or 17 optima engine knock um i called the dealer and they said do you have oil change records call the customer we don't have any oil change records like and and their yeah. sticker was like twenty thousand miles past due. Whenever the recall first dropped, and I was at the at the dealer, I mean they didn't care. Yeah, like, yeah, everything, everything. It didn't matter if they ever did oil change or not. Yeah. Like we were actually doing engines. Like we do an engine, the customer drive for thirty forty thousand without an oil change, then we'd be putting another engine in. Yeah, and and Kia was just covering it all because they didn't care. But now they care. And yeah. so I told this customer, I mean, there's it's a seventeen Optima. It's sitting at my shop right now. That's one of the ones that they abandoned because. Kia wasn't going to put an engine in it, and it's almost ten grand to have an engine put in. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And That's if you can get an engine. You can. Can so, you? Yeah, yeah. There, you can get an engine for almost all of them. They're all in stock now. Well, my dealer, my dealer, sketchy. My Kia dealer is the worst. I hate this. Kia but when's the last time you called? Like recently. Within the last year. Okay, because like at the height of like when the recall first dropped for the two fours, yeah, the the two O and the two fours, yeah. They were on like national back order, but at the time, like we were doing like twenty engines a week, thirty engines a week at just yeah. our small small dealer. So they were hard to come by then, but now you know they keep them in stock. It's so bad that we we take we get the Kia part number and we put it into the Hyundai dealerships mm-hmm. uh, repair link system, and then we order it through the through the Hyundai dealership. I don't want to deal with this Kia dealership. Yeah, I, I don't mean to. Worst. I don't mean to throw shade at owners of those automobiles but i'm going to they're nice cars what are you talking about uh yeah they're really nice cars yeah here's the thing is that and the amount of technology you get for the price like for instance some of these some of these automobiles that we work on 
couple hours from the dealer, right? So we're we're in Raleigh right now. I'm three hours from Raleigh. You know where I'm at. Yeah. An hour and a half to to a Kia dealer, right? So you got some time in this, and then if you have to have it towed, the the consumer who drives that car will never have me do warranty things that would be under warranty. And we tell anybody if there's even a shot that something's under warranty, we always tell them like, hey, here's the deal, and here's we've had like maybe a high pressure fuel pump that we've done. Yeah. That was would have been under warranty, right? Hmm. And I even go over and above. I'll call I'll call the dealer yeah, with okay. the VIN number yeah. and and mm-hmm. and figure out. Hey, yep, the car's under warranty. Yeah, you, for sure. You go do it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and so we would do that, and we'd spend the time to go through that. Those the owners of those cars will not have us do the work, right? Absolutely, I respect that. I wouldn't either. But there's other car lines like Audis that starter motor or motor generator or whatever they call it. Dude, we've done like five of those. And Audi's even farther away than Kia and Hyundai, right? Like, and we've done a, and it is not a cheap job to do. I don't understand your point. Well, I'm just saying, like, wait, the customer was paying for it, or customer pay at the shop. That that makes sense. Like, if you buy a Kia, you sort of buy it because you want everything covered under the warranty. Yep. Mm-hmm. You don't an Audi. You want you want to drive an Audi. <laughs> That's pretty much the extent of that in it. Yep. Yeah. The Kias are nice. Yeah, they're fire. I've not been in one in years. I don't. I don't. They're fire. You know, literally, they are <laughs> fire. I Didn't mean, they just have a recall fire. on the on the lines. The they the recall for the fire started shortly after the engine recall. Yeah, that, and, that's and the they just they just rolled out a new fire hazard. They they probably did, but like the twenty four million Kias being recalled, probably. So it, so the fire just dropped. The, the original fire one for the GDI engines. Was hey, a, hey, real quick, hold on. What time is carts? We need to leave here at four forty-five, and we've got a three o'clock. Just saying, we've got time. Okay. Well, I'm saying, uh, um, the the guy we gave away the scholarship to is asking. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but the the original fire recall for the two o two fours technician fault. Yeah. All the entire recall that we had to do for all of those was going back and checking over technician error. So that high pressure fuel line from mm-hmm. the pump down to the rail mm-hmm. is a one time use. And they kept chain they would they leave would it. they wouldn't torque it. And then there was also a mounting bracket that was on the side of the block. And they wouldn't put the yep. tab back on. They it. they would leave the they would leave the that off and then they weren't torquing you, properly. Even though the engine kits came with new lines and everything, it, they weren't torquing them. Some you know what's so funny it. about that? Is that I, I got my chops busted. Hey, hold on, hold on. Hold on. 3.4 million vehicles in the U.S. and telling owners to park them outside due to the risk of engine compartment fires. The recalls cover multiple car and SUV models from 2010 to 2019, including the Santa Fe and the Sorento. Uh, documents posted Wednesday uh, by the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration say the anti-lock brake control module can leak fluid and cause an electrical short, that can den- uh, which can touch off a fire while the vehicle are vehicles are parked or being driven so your car might land on fire while being driven yep well so we're talking about that high pressure fuel pump and i got my chops busted by a dealership right and they we we did a fuel pump and they state that the fuel pump went bad i said well it's one of yours here's a documentation for it 
and the consumer's mad as all get out about me or at me. And I'm like, hey, it's like if you had called me first, I could have helped. I could have sent you to a, a warranty facility and it would have been covered no matter what. But you didn't call me first. And if, if you'd have called me first and I could have talked to Kia and said, hey, look, this is a part that you replaced or that, that we got from you. And so they charged him to do it. And he's like, why is it so much more expensive from you? And I'm like, can you send me the invoice? It shouldn't be like any different. Oh, boys, they did not replace the line. Yeah. And so like the, you know, the quick connect line, what was originally wrong with the pump is that when the car was, it came into the shop, it was leaking fuel. And so we went back there and we took it off and Terry's like, yeah, he's like, the, the line's loose. But it doesn't make sense because the line looks okay. I don't understand why the line would be leaking fuel. And so we popped the line off and you can see somebody has at some point smacked the outlet line. And so it's knocked the ridge that the quick connect locks on. It's like mushed it down, right? And they're like, oh, no, that doesn't have to be replaced. I'm like, dude, there is a literal recall. Because y'all weren't replacing those. It's, it's in bold letters. like Right. It has to be replaced. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a plastic line? No. There's metal. a plastic line and a metal line, but the, the metal line The metal line always replaced. has to be replaced. Like, the metal line never gets replaced. It always. And for Kia, Honda, I know it, it says that in fire. SI. It, it does 100%. And that yeah, was, we replace a lot of metal lines because they're leaking. Yeah. The, that, that the one, little, the it, little end deforms. That's yep. what, yeah, because they're yeah. one time use. It's one time use. So it, it mushrooms out to that fuel rail and to that fuel pump. And so whenever you put it into another one, and it let's just say the machining just a tiny bit different, it's not going to make that tight fit. Yeah, yeah. And so the rec- like the original recall, whenever that came out, it was put a torque wrench on the upper and lower. If it moves any at all, replace the line. And then if the um, bracket was missing off the engine, you had to replace the line. Yeah. It's, uh, it's rowdy because, I mean, like the fact that they wouldn't – they wouldn't do that. Yeah. They wouldn't at least, I mean. And that line's not cheap. No. That's, that's like my cost. I think the last one I did was almost a hundred bucks for just yeah. the line. But I mean, I'm just saying like. A hundred bucks so you don't die in a car fire. Yeah. That's not that much. But I Not mean, that cheap is like a thousand dollars. Like, no, my, that's My a, that's question not is if cheap. you're a dealer service advisor and you know that damn thing's supposed to be replaced. Yep. And you wouldn't even put it on the invoice. What in the like? Does that not just Dude, like it happens all the time? You know, you know how you know they weren't replacing those lines is that they didn't stock the stupid line. So you're ordering the the high pressure fuel pumps in stock, mm-hmm. one yeah. available, like one in stock, and then you're like, oh, here's the line that service information says has to be replaced. Never in stock. Never ever yep. ever in stock. So they have the pump, they don't have the line. They're not replacing lines. So that's how you know. Yeah, when, get when, a dirty when the letter from Kia. When when the engine oh, not, when the engine this recall is not a Kia thing. This is an individual dealership thing. When the engine recall very first came out, the line was not in the like in the initial recall um, uh, parts kit. Yeah, I'm talking about service information. No, I, do I know not that, reuse the line. Do not reuse it. That, that line, that line wasn't, like, and then. They they kind of changed it, and then after maybe a month or two, they started adding the line in, and they started adding in Tory because like with the injectors on GDIs, you're supposed to replace the injector O rings. Like whenever you pull yeah. those out, yeah. you're supposed to replace them. People weren't replacing the injector because they would they just pop replaced. them out and just shove them into the yeah. new hole. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and they would blow combustion yep. gas or fuel back out. Yep. What? So, yeah. I mean, you you got to think like. Whenever the recall first, very, very first dropped, I mean, it was pretty decent. It was like a nine-hour total ticket. At the time, I was doing start to finish putting an engine in like two hours, two and a half hours. Um, so it was good money. 
but then they dropped it from nine hours. Now they're getting paid like I think it's sub six hours on some of these engines. Holy crap! Yeah, that that's and and we've heard a lot of that that warranty times are like hardcore decreasing right now. Yeah, and well, they got to go do, to a thirty-two hour work week. Do you, do you know the demands from this? The, this right here is is why warranty times have decreased. Is Facebook? You think so? Yeah, one hundred percent. Because I'm still in some of like the uh, Kihane groups, and you'll get these dumbasses, and they'll go in there, and they'll be like, "Oh, this new recar, this new part, I'm doing it this and saving all this time." And oh yeah, there's there's you know Kia's in these groups, Honda's in these groups, all these you know car manufacturers. So you'll get some dumbass that's like, "Oh, I did this a whole lot quicker, and here's how I did it," yeah. and then they'll figure out that's a legit thing, and then they'll go in and they'll change the the write up on it. Well, I mean. Um, the dude that the dude that just died that worked for Ford and then worked for me, yeah. Um, he he made bank doing the door latch recalls on Ford, and and I don't I can't remember what the deal was, but this dude would go around bragging about like how he had just absolutely ripped them off and he had just absolutely screwed them, and that you know half he had found ways to to fix part of the latches so he wouldn't even change them, so he oh, had a geez. box oh, full no, of no, he no. had a box, and I'm like, dude. That's wrong, you know. And th- this yeah. was near the end of his tenure with us. You know what I'm saying? He was on his way out. But but it don't let him lie to you. That's how he got hired. He's like, I just keep a whole box of parts I didn't use. Aren't you going to replace the whole latch? Yeah, but you know, fix this fixed. Is it fixed? That's, like, that's I like, like you. You're hired. <laughs> like like way back when when the Sedonas and stuff were having the uh, time and chain rattle because of uh, the tensioner failing. Yeah. yeah. They wanted you to drop the engine to take the front cover off, so it was like a twenty-hour job. Tex found out they could do it in the in the vehicle. You just and, got a jacket all yep, the way and they can, to the tippy they top. They can slide the front cover out. <laughs> yeah, somebody was in training and was like, "Oh yeah, I don't pull the engine. I just pull the front cover off." And Kia <laughs> came right back out and took a twenty-hour recall and dropped it to like six hours. It's not easy though. It's not. It's still like it's, you try to sneak that cover it's back still in. A six-hour job. It's not six. Well, I mean, I guess if you do 50 of them a day, but like you've got to be so careful because you're siliconing that yep. cover and yeah. you nick that silicone, that sucker's going to leak and then you won't know for a week and then it comes back. Yeah. Man. It's still not easy. Like the steering couplers. You ever done one of those in your show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That whenever that uh, recall first came out, it was like over an hour. Um, to, oh, we still to charge do those. That. Um, I mean, that's what I charge. Yeah. But then they dropped the recall. It was down to like six or seven tenths. But me and another guy in the shop, like, because they, they realized you didn't have to pull the um, the column completely out of the car. Yeah, just drop the column it, yeah. down. Mm-hmm. So that, and once they updated the recall to do that, me and another guy started racing just to see if we could get it done the fastest. I could, on an Optima with um, a keyed ignition, because it was just easier on a key than a push button, I could do it in like sub 10 minutes, like seven or eight minutes to do one. I don't what I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the mindset. I don't understand the appeal. I, I, I from a manufacturer standpoint, yeah, you want to pay as little as possible, but that's only because you live in a flat rate world. So you want to pay as little as possible to get that. But then the technicians are like, if it takes twenty hours, take your damn twenty hours to do the damn job. Yeah, but you just said it to yourself, flat rate. So if if they could get a twenty hour job done in ten, um, Nathan then, Bryan had a whole whole but, post on this. Like, yeah, why why if you work forty hours, you want to flag forty hours 
or there's something wrong. Why are we trying to push for 50, 60, 70, and a 40-hour work week? I went to this class. It was a good class. Nice guy who put it on. But that dumbass stand, stood up there, and he goes, I think a good tech, can, he sounded like that too, and can do 8 to 12 hours or 10 to 12 hours in an 8-hour day. Otherwise, they're a junk tech. That is the dumbest garbage I've ever. You're either padding the ticket up too much. He didn't come up with that. He just regurgitated with some other nonsense, some other dumb asset. I'm just saying, it, it, 10 to 12 hours in an eight hour, I'm burning all the bridges. And in 10 to 12 hours build in an eight hour day means there's something effing wrong with that goddamn ticket. I, something effing wrong with that that ticket my, or that guy's going too fast something has to give no 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 something. no no no, so, no 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 don't no. tell me your well, phone well, is no. where uh, i don't so have to pull you, the whole engine out you got to think of a at a dealership though it's it's repetitive you're doing the exact same yeah. jobs yeah. day yeah. in well, and that day makes out sense. and that so makes sense. Yeah. so you are speeding up because like like with the engines i mean the recall's all screwed up anymore now so i don't really care i'll say it out loud like I got to the point that it's not a lie. It was about two to two and a half hours from the time I rolled my roll cart to a car from pulling the engine out back in running it was about two to two and a half hours on average for a Kia Optima. But a lot of that's experience. experience. A lot of that it's, is it's because I knew I had to take out this bolt. I don't have to take out this bolt. I know I have to mm-hmm. do this. I know I don't have to do that. Yeah. But there was a lot of trial and error in that. Correct. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and so that's that flat rate has its perks in that aspect whenever you're, especially like, beating trying to beat the the time for warranty work and all that sort I don't, of stuff i don't know i, I still it, it, at a dealership fine fine i look i'm you know me i just say my minimum level of acceptable performance is eight hours a day right do do we create it creates not the right word when we build a ticket we know that there is going to be time in that right we're because we're writing estimates We've got time in writing estimates. We've got time in all of these other aspects. I'm not saying we should charge for writing estimates. That's not my point. But we have a lot of... I don't know. T- Hold on. Let's talk about that. Maybe we should be charging to... to the, look, uh, Brandon, uh, the other Brandon, my tall Brandon, he's here at AST, and he gripes at us for not charging for research time. And well, that's like, what I was getting ready to say. I, like, I got to spend I do. 20 to 30 minutes... You know who else does? Minkler. Yeah. Minkler has a has a like a technology charge or I don't even know what the hell he calls so, it, but it's a it, he I assume, but it's essentially the charge that you would have to pay BMW to look up factory service information. He puts that on every flipping ticket. Now, he buys the yearly pass, you know, he's got that paid off in a month. So the rest of the year it's just profit for him, but he's putting it on there and it's not the that's how we make more money. It's the normalizing of, hey, I've got to flip and charge you for information access every time you come in and I've got to do something to your car. I've got to charge you this yeah. information access fee. And that makes all the sense in the world because Brandon, I don't, I mean, he, he'll he probably listen to this and I'll never hear the end of it. He's right. We should be charging for information, research, Something yeah. to that effect, right? Yeah. But I'm also competing against the shop fix shop down the street that I guarantee you is not charging a service information access. I'm burning all the bridges. I That's said. what I was getting. So ready to say. I was, uh, 
he is not charging a service information access fee. He's flat rate. It's the cheapest oil that's going in there, and he's pushing his guys. I need 15 hours, and, the and I'm going to pay. Is none and the they don't know the difference. I'm sorry, Mr. Customer. My guy researched that that line has to be replaced. I'm sorry that the guy down the street isn't putting it on the ticket because it's not available at the dealership, and that means they, they can't turn this bay that quick. This car is going to have to sit at their shop for three or four days while they wait for this line to come in, but I'm not letting this car leave without that new line in there. And, and yeah, it shows up $250 cheaper because they're not installing that line. Yep. The way I found that out is through this service access fee that I had to charge you because we did the research yep. on the repair. Now, I, I don't do it on everyone, but for my testing, like any of the testing that we do, it's I break my labor down. It's got like three or four lines of labor for it. Mm -hmm. Just so that way the client's not like, oh, you're charging me. Hundred fifty dollars. What'd you actually do? So it's it's broken down, and there's a research tab on there. And am I, I have a research tab. I don't have a fee associated associated to it. No, I probably should tack it on there. Two yeah. tenths, three tenths. Yeah, I don't know like because I enough. like I have my testing. It's set at like either hour, hour and a half with the inflated labor rate. But then each line has its own labor for it. Yeah. So like. There's a duplication line. There's a research line. There's a testing line. So that way, each section, the tech's getting paid for each part that he does. It's I, I do it for so that way the customer sees it. But then also the tech knows, like, look, you're getting paid. Well, he's not. Yeah. He's hourly, so it don't really matter. But, but, but he, he knows that's contributing to your to, performance. Yeah, and yeah. so so you the do it. The pushback we would get that I would get from that shop down the street from me would be that you're going to eat it on the front end. And reap the benefits on the back end. In other words, you're going to do the research, eat the research, so the next three that come in, you're you paying for your opportunity. You're yeah. paying for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, just, no, just like you know how most dealers get uh, away from not charging Diag, they fluff the ticket. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, every single time. Like, because like, any customer pay stuff that we ever did at any of the dealers, it was, oh, you're getting an hour for testing, and then whenever you figured out, okay, it, you got to replace this purge valve. Instead of charging three tenths for a purge valve, you had to 1.3, 1.3, and then they would be like, yeah. oh, you're getting free Diag, but it's going to cost you this much to have the part put in. Yeah. So, uh, ep it was, I don't know what episode it was, maybe episode 25, maybe. Bill Nailu. He didn't say it like that. That's what he was doing. But it was essentially like, we just don't talk about it. The customer's going to pay 500 bucks. Now, when I have it broken down to 350 for R&R plus a part and then another 150 for Diag, or it's just $500. It, they're going to pay $500 regardless. Yeah. So whether I tell them explicitly that that's what we're doing or, hey, there's something wrong with my car. Okay, check engine light. Turns out it's a purge valve insulation. Everything's 500 Okay, how much was the Diag? Like, and, and his... His argument was like, we just don't talk about it. The customer just getting the car fixed. What difference does it make? How I break it down internally, the customer's just going to fix the car for 500 bucks. And Dutch lost his mind. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's losing his mind yeah. right here right now. Was it from my comment earlier? No, it's from that same thread though. Oh, geez. Anyway, so he, he he's losing his mind and he's like, no, no, we need to be explicit about this. So the customer, it doesn't really matter. The customer's like, they have to pay 500 bucks. It's, it's whatever. It is what it is to fix the car. Yeah, it is what it is to fix the car. Until they come back and they're with the 
warranty or something else messed up. And if you don't have it properly documented, no, no, no. He, so Nalu, Nalu runs a like a okay. tight operation. Yeah, like okay. he, for sure. He's documenting every detail of that. He's just not making it explicit to the customer that this is how it's broken down okay. on your invoice. Dutch's argument was we have to break it down to the customer and we have to tell them because otherwise we're never going to get mo- we're never moving past this whole they rolled it into the repair BS yep. or the, that the consumer Diag never just, sees the value in it. They yeah. don't see the value. We're never going to build net value in it because we're not telling them what we're doing. Like we have to tell them that we're running these tests in order to find the problem and that that comes with a fee. It yeah. costs. Yeah. Because otherwise we can't get to the solution yeah. without the fee, 100%. without the payment. Which which that's that's how I like so you know, I use shopware and then so for my check engine light testing or whatever, each each time it's on there, it's it's auto set up to where I've got like the checklist down at the bottom that you know, you go and you put in all the stuff. Whenever I quote the repair, I quote it off of the check engine light testing, mm-hmm. and they, and so it's it's kind of all wrapped together. But that fee is always there, and it's you know it's it never leaves and never yeah, goes yeah. hides anywhere else. So yeah, because I've I've had several. Well, can you oh. not just take take care of that? And it's like absolutely not. You know, I yeah. already had to pay somebody to do that work. I'm not going to give it to you free. So yeah, absolutely. But these are these are big shops. That are running big operations that have multiple bays, lots of techs, and they're the ones that are held to high esteem. Like they're the ones in the magazines. They're the ones giving the speeches at the fancy conferences. They're also the ones, maybe not telling people that they're doing diag that it's been padded or rolled into the ticket, and that ultimately they're not losing a dime, but it's they're making money on the whole thing. But whether you know it or not is irrelevant to them. Yeah. They they are getting paid. The technicians are getting taken care of for the most part other than when you have to lose your ass in order to learn for the next time. It works if you get 50 cars a day. Cuz well, you'll mean, run into the problem again eventually. Yeah, but you then you got shops like was was Cody on your podcast whenever you talked about how the the shop They was were just eating it. Eating it, yeah. Well, that was that's yeah. big, that's a big difference because yeah. They were just generating enough revenue through tires and all this other junk that they could hide the fact that they were losing their asses on his diag. But that's yep. because they were just doing that. That was yep. just bad practice all the way around. Yeah. Nalu's not losing a dime on on diag. Yep. He's making his money, but the way it's presented, and I'm not saying he's hiding it every single time. It's just he's just making the argument that, like, what does it matter if we have an explicit discussion or not? Anyway. Sounds okay. good. I gotta go pee the other guys out front here. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.